0: All right, John chapter number 18, verse number 12, and we'll pick it up here tonight or this morning. Um, verse number 12, and, and then the band of the captain and officers took of the Jews took Jesus and bound him, and they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, which was the high priest the same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. That's our text this morning. I want us to concentrate as we've been looking at seven men mentioned by name in the Gospel of John. Again, not seven disciples, but seven men are mentioned by name. We've already looked at John the Baptist. We've looked at Nicodemus. And uh, our third man was who? Hmm. Hmm. That would be Lazarus. Lazarus was our third man mentioned by name. And so we have. now we come to, and today we're going to look at two men, numbers 4 and 5. We're going to lump them together. We have in verse number 13, we have Annas, who was mentioned. And then Caiaphas is mentioned in verse number 13, as well as in number 14. And so But today, by the grace of God, we are going to look at Annas and Caiaphas and see what the Lord has to say about these two scoundrels and see where the Lord would have us to know and learn from his word. Father, we're thankful we can be here. We thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the services today and folks ministering and through Sunday school, next door and downstairs even now. Lord, bless their labor and all that they do. May Christ be honored and glorified and, as the word of God is taught and minister for them and through them. Now as we come to a portion of scripture, may we be uh, drawn closer to you and learn what you have to say uh, that would edify, encourage us, and challenge us, even warn us. For Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I would be remiss this morning to mention that Brother Roy is here, and he brought his mom to church with him today. And So we're glad she's here and trust that you'll make her feel welcome. Roy, thank you for bringing your mom today. We appreciate that. And uh, what a blessing to have your mom sit in church with you. Amen. And uh, that's a, it's a, I did that for many years of my life till the Lord took her home. It's always a blessing to have your mom in church with you. And I was, had a double privilege that my mom would able, okay, sit here and, and listen to me preach. And sometimes she'd be, sometimes she'd be like this. Especially <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as you told these stories about growing up. And so I always had to be careful with those stories. But uh, I was blessed with a wonderful mom. And God was good to me. Now in John chapter number 18, we see these two men, Annas and Caiaphas. And I want to give us a little kind of introduction to these men. Let you know who they are in the background. Because I think that lets us know... So we can appreciate the second part of the message, which we'll try and get everything done today. As it's, So you understand how, how these men and who they are. Now, these are religious men. These are men who, who are, are high priests. These are men who are supposed to be ministering and doing the work of God. These are men who are supposed to be in charge of, of the souls of Israel and guarding them. And, and they're to be honorable people. They're to be reputable people. They're to be uh, men of high moral character but sadly, by the time we come to this portion of history, uh, things have become so corrupt. It's a political machine bent on power and, and, and greed and, and corruption and, and, and getting as much of this world as one can possibly have. These men are so far removed from where God uh, established this in the book of Exodus and, uh, and how, where they are now. Now, Annas, and we meet him here in Scripture, Annas is a man who's no longer uh, in office. He does not hold the office of high priest. But I want you to know that he was probably the most powerful uh, figure in Jewish hierarchy at this portion of time. He is, even though he's out of power, can we relate it to something we can maybe understand today? He is still like the godfather. He is the one that... When everybody makes a decision, they're looking at him to make sure that they made the right decision. He is the man behind the curtain, so to speak, pulling the strings and and controlling everybody and everything. Annas was a man who was born into an affluent, uh, influential family. His name is a Greek name. Really, it's Hannas, beginning with H-A-N-A-S. And his name means the Lord is gracious. He was the leader of the Sanhedrin. Annas sat at the height of what we would say is Jewish uh, aristocracy. He was an affluent man. He was very wealthy. He was well-educated. And he was in a league with the ruling Roman authorities, which is something you shouldn't be as a Jewish leader. But he was in cahoots with Roman authority. And so here you have Judaism and the temple and the Levitical priesthood is now in bed, so to speak, with the Roman authorities and letting you know just how corrupt things had become. He had been the high priest from the year 6 A.D. to the year 15 A.D. So he wasn't in office long, but uh, a man by the name of Valerius Gratus, Pilate's predecessor as governor, uh, had him removed from office. Now, according to the Bible, the high priest would hold this office till his death and then the next predecessor. But since they were all in bed together, the Roman authority, they could go in there and they could tell the high priest, you're out and bring a new guy in, is what would happen to Annas. But again, he still, even though he no longer has the office, he still has that power. And even though he no longer holds the office, they still refer to him as the high priest, much in the same way as the president when he leaves office, he is still referred to as president. And even a coach, when he's no longer coaching, is still referred to by his players. I've never met one player who has failed to ever call his coach, coach, even though the coach has uh, long since retired and uh, they still, with respect, refer to him by that title. And so Annas still holds that title as high priest. Uh, Many Jews were resentful of the Romans meddling in their religious affairs and still considered Annas to be uh, the true power of the time, especially those Jews who referred to the law and knew that the law said this was a lifetime position. After his removal from office, uh, five of Annas' sons... And one of his grandsons served as the high priest. So this was a family business. He was also the father-in-law of Caiaphas, whom we meet here in this chapter, and who was the high priest that year and uh, at that time. And John is not implying that the high priest served only one year, but he was the high priest that year. So there's little doubt that this man, this astute old man at the head of the family, He exercised a good deal of authority. The family would go to him. They would not make a decision unless they asked their father, their grandfather, or father-in-law, Annas, if they thought this was the right thing to do or this is what they should be doing. Annas still controlled everything, again, as a very powerful, wealthy man. And he probably was the real power in the land. And whatever the legal technicalities were, he was that power. Now, the New Testament places the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry in the, priest, in the high priest of, of Annas and Caiaphas, and though they uh, jointly held the office. Now, when we think about Annas, he was a very proud man, he was an ambitious man, he was a notoriously greedy man. And I would warn all of us be careful of the sin of greed. Greed takes many forms. Doesn't always have to be money, but we have to be careful with greed. We 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 can all feel it tug at us from time to time. We need to be careful of it. God will give us what we need, God will take care of us. Let's not be greedy for gain. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, and God exalts the humble in due time, the Bible says. Annas never read those Bible verses. Evidently, a significant source of his income came from the temple itself. Now, to understand what's going on, we remember Jesus Christ cleansed the temple twice. In the beginning of his ministry, he went in there and he overthrew the money changers and and, and chased out the animals, and he did it at the end of his ministry. To understand what's going on at this point in time, the, the temple had become business. See, what God originally established is you take your animal your best animal from your flock and you go down to the temple and you give that to the priest and the priest sacrifices it for you. That's God's plan. But by the time we come to the New Testament, it had become a big business. You were no longer allowed to bring your animal because your animal might be a, even though it's a proper animal, it would be considered unclean. You had to have a temple animal in order to sacrifice. So you had to buy one of their temple animals, which... Amazingly, somehow, those temple animals were just always just a little bit more expensive than the animals elsewhere. And it talks about the money changers. You were not allowed to use Roman money because that's Roman money, that's bad money. You need to have temple money in order to buy these. So you go to the money changers, and there you exchange your Roman currency for temple currency. And amazingly, once again, your dollar bill is really only worth 25 cents so you need a whole lot more money to buy that high-priced animals that's why christ goes in there in a fury in a rage and cleanses the temple because of the absolute corruption they are making a killing (laughs) not on the animals but on the people they are slaughtering the people with what they're doing kind of like our government does today we get taxed upon taxes upon taxes upon taxes i don't understand why i i have to pay an income tax and then i have to pay a sales tax and then i have to pay this tax and then and and then property that's already been taxed on my kids have to pay a tax on when they if they if they receive it it's 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 corrupt as the days long but we keep voting for these same idiots and, and and nothing changes so but i digress so here in israel the thing has become so corrupt and annas is in charge of all of this. And when you understand when Christ goes in and, and, and exposes all of this, this is one of the reasons why they want to kill him. This is one of the reasons why they hate him so much because he's exposing the absolute corruption that is going on amongst these religious people and how they have become very wealthy. There's something seriously wrong when people who make a certain amount of money become multimillionaires. There's something strange about that, is it not? I, I, I Take our leaders, why, the President of the United States makes $400,000 a year, and I'd say, that's fine, he's worth that. I have no trouble with the President getting that much money. He don't do nothing, but he, he whatever. But, but why do they own multi-million dollar mansions if all they've ever done is politics? There's just something rotten in Denmark. I've never been to Denmark, but apparently it's rotten. And so uh, we have to go over there one day and just find out what's going on in that place. But it's just rotten. It's absolutely rotten. And yet people, but there they are. Same way with our politicians here in town. Why do they own so much property? And how are they so rich? What are they doing? Well, my friend, (laughs) we're not Boy Scouts. We know what's going on. We know what's going on, just how wicked these people can be. It's nothing new. There's nothing new on this one. Annas is a greedy and, 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 and lustful man for power. And they had to get rid of the Lord Jesus Christ. Later, Annas was involved in the persecution of the early church. We remember in Acts chapter number 4, and verses 1 through 22, he is responsible. He's out there at the trial of Peter and John after they had healed the, the lame man. And, and, and the lame man came to faith in Christ. Annas was there. Now, if you're like me, and I hope you're not in some ways, but I got this streak in me that I, need to, I always pray about. The Lord to help me with it. I always want to see evil people get their comeuppance, as mom used to call it. <laughs> you want to see, you know, this is it. I don't like movies where the bad guy doesn't die. The bad guy needs to die at the end of every movie. It's just to say, I'm not promoting any Hollywood movie, but I, I, I'm not into it. But years ago, my friend goes, you've seen Star Wars? I said, no. you got going to watch it, man. It's awesome. I'm like, so I watched episode four when it was one. That's how old I am. And at the end of the movie, I'm like, Darth Vader didn't get killed. I don't, I, he's alive. I want, I want the guy dead. I want Darth Vader dead. I want his family dead. I want the kid dead. dead. That's how I am. Caiaphas and Annas... Live to be old men, and they'll die old men. They didn't die like Currod who was eaten up with worms. I like that Bible verse. I, they die old men. They die peacefully in their beds, but eternity is long and hot for those two men. And God's justice may not be meted out here, but God's justice will be meted out one day and be taken care of. And Annas, as corrupt and as evil as he was, had his little rule of power, even if it was just 100 years he had on this earth. That's all he had, and that's all he will ever have, and he will never have it again for the rest of eternity. Always remember that. He was a ruthless man. He was a godless man. And by the way, any time a man is perverted in justice... And perverted in his greed for money, he's always perverted in other areas as well. They 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 they, they it all goes together. You'll never find a moral man in, in, in some things, and then he's absolutely corrupt in others. No, that's all they're corrupt in everything. That's just how they are. History is filled with these men. History and sadly, we have women just as well. We are introduced in the scriptures to a Jezebel and her daughter Athaliah, who even killed her own grandchildren so that she can obtain power and wealth. History is filled with these people. Our Bible is filled with the anises and Caiaphas of the world. And it's all really the attention I want to give them this morning. But I want us to give us some learning points this morning and takeaways and, and, and encourage us as we live in a world where we're, we're, we're watching, and I hope you're watching, the absolute lust for power that's going on out there. And, and people grasping for it and doing everything they can to obtain power. And, and if you're like me, you, you, you look beyond this and you, you look into eternity and say, What are they, what are they grasping at? All, the, all they're doing is they're on the Titanic and the, and the boats are gone. And, and, they're, and they're stealing the silverware only to have it drag them down to the depths of the ocean. That's all they're doing in this world. Take your Bible, if you will, at Psalm chapter number one. Psalm, chapter number one. A very familiar portion of Scripture. Every young person has been to a youth rally where somebody's preached on Psalm One. its good. I like Psalm one. You ought to memorize Psalm one, put it to memory, put it in your heart, and, and don't let the devil steal it from. You. You're you going to need it when you walk through these worlds. And Psalm 1, and again, we have a contrast here between the godly. And the ungodly. The righteous and the unrighteous are seen. Now we have seen uh, John the Baptist, a righteous man. We have seen Nicodemus, who's a good man, but he's lost, but he will become saved. He will become a Christian. He's a godly man. We'll become a godly man. We've seen Lazarus, a godly man. Now we've met two men who are absolute scoundrels. Absolute, ruthless men who are responsible key players in the death of our Savior. Now, I know we're all responsible for that, but those two scoundrels are the ones who would make it all possible and they even wanted to kill Lazarus. Zanus and Caiaphas who wanted to kill even Lazarus. That shows you you're really a good religious person when you want to kill people for being good. Blessed is the man. You want to be blessing, blessed by God? Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. By the way, there's three steps there. There's walking, there's standing, and sitting. If you don't walk that way, my friend, you'll never stand and sit. Walking, standing, sitting. It's a bad progression. Just don't go that way. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in their counsel, their advice, nor standeth in the way of sinners. You're not hanging around with them. And you're not sitting in the seat of scornful. That word scornful is the atheist, the man who mocks the things of God. He says, so blessed is the man. But he says, verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doth he meditate day and night. There's a blessing, my friend, for those who read their Bible and apply their Bible to their lives. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God promises a blessing on those who live right and do right. In verses 4 through 6, we have the distinction from the righteous, an opposite here. The ungodly, verse 4, are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in judgment. That word stand in judgment simply means they will not be able to stand. They won't have a leg to stand on. Another phrase we put it. When it comes time for judgment, they will have nothing. You know, what's your case? Do you have have something to stand on? No, you're a sinner, you're condemned, you're lost. Then they're facing judgment now. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There's a contrast. A Lazarus versus... Now, I know it's not the same thing, but our Lord Jesus Christ told a story which is not a parable. And in that story, he talks about a rich man, and he talks about a beggar by the name of Lazarus. Not the same Lazarus, but another Lazarus. The rich man dined sumptuously, and the Lazarus, who was the beggar, uh, laid at the gate... And the dogs came and licked his sores till one day he died and he goes to Abraham's bosom, while the rich man who dined sumptuously and and, 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 and and enjoyed everything ends up going to hell. And I can't help but thinking when our Lord tells that story we we think of Annas. Who is the rich man who has everything, and then there are those who have nothing. And with all his wealth and with all his money, what's he do? Does he help anybody over here? No, he does nothing to help these people. It's all about feeding his own selfish soul and and building his own estate and and, and building more upon his empire and doing nothing to help those outside whose gate, whom dogs are licking the sores on their body. I'd like you to take your Bible, if you will. And Psalm 37, the natives are restless outside. I'm not sure what's going on, but there's a, they're out there. Steve's in charge. Maybe they tied Steve up and, uh, and they've taken over. Who knows? We need to send, we need to send help out there and uh, see what's going on. In Psalm 37, I love this psalm, and, and I want us to make this our key text this morning as we look at some things. As this psalm talks about the blessings of the righteous. Versus those who are wicked. Versus the the Lazaruses of the world. Versus the Anises of the world. Again, we we meet those men. We see them in power. We see all that they have. And yet we we, we see men today in power. We see men enjoying everything this world has. I was on a class trip back in September. I took the young people from our Christian school down to Washington, D.C., And one of the things we did is we went to Arlington Cemetery. Who doesn't want to see Arlington Cemetery on a class trip? Amen. But you ought to go to Arlington Cemetery, if not just to see the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown, which is a fascinating and very moving experience. And there's a lot of things to see at Arlington, a lot of history there. But uh, as you make your way up to the Arlington House, which was the home of Robert E. Lee, uh, there in front on the lower portion is the grave of President John F. Kennedy and you may have your opinions on John F. Kennedy and his, and, 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 and his wife Jackie is next to him and then as you go over to the side there's his brother Bobby Kennedy's grave and then you go further to the side there's the most wicked and perverse man of, of the last generation man by the name of uh, Ted Kennedy, godless man, perverted man, wicked man You may be a Democrat here this morning, but don't defend the man. He's wicked. He's perverted. So there's his grave sitting there. My friend, God reminded me, this is the destination of all men. At one time, he was one of the most powerful senators in the United States of America. When Ted Kennedy spoke, every other senator jumped. Even presidents listened To Ted Kennedy, even though he was a murderer, a drunkard, an adulterer, and a whoremonger, and a fornicator, and graft, and greed, and everything else attributed to him that was actually true. He was a powerful man. But he's six feet below the sod, and in eternity right now. And I guarantee you, it's not a happy eternity for Ted Kennedy. In chapter 37, verse number 1, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. So God warns us here in verse number one about when wicked men flourish and wicked men will flourish. And he gives us the answer. There's always an objection and then a solution. Verse two, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass that is withered as the green herbs. Evan cut the grass here yesterday at the property. The grass was growing and my friend, it was growing. It's cut down. It's gone. It's bagged up and going to be thrown out tomorrow and taken away by the garbage men. That's the way it is with the wicked. They're here one minute. They're gone the next minute. He gives us another thing here in verse number two. Where, again, where we see the, what, what happens and, and he sees, we see the righteous are in distress. He says, verse three, trust in the Lord, do good and Thou shalt dwell in the land verily, thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord, he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. There are six things that he gives the Christian to do here. First, trust in the Lord and do good, so thou shalt dwell in the land verily. Verse 4, delight thyself in the Lord, he shall give thee desires of thy heart. How do I delight myself in the Lord? Well, my friend, you read that book, you spend time with God, and you make much of church, and you, and you spend time with God. This does not mean 24-7 that you stick your head in your Bible, but you are delighting in the word of God and living by it. Verse 3, I'm sorry, third thing in verse 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust in him also, and he shall bring it to pass. You want God's blessings on your life? Commit your ways to God. God, what do you want with my life? And what can I do for you? And God, what's wrong in my life? What do I need to let go of? As a young man, I would hold on to certain things, and God would tell me, Matt, you need to let that go. I'm like, God, I don't want to let it go. He's like, you need to let that go, Matt. If you're going to walk with me, you can't hold on to that. I said, Lord, I want to walk with you. He said, Matt, let it go. I said, okay, Lord, I'll let it go. I always gave it to God because I want to walk with him. Verse 6, a fourth thing, he shall bring thy righteous forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Verse 7, a fifth thing, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. We have a lot of people who Bringing wicked things to pass. Evil laws are being passed. Bad things are being passed in this country. We're to rest in God. God's in control, my friend. You know what it means to rest? It means to kick back, flip up the recliner, and just relax. I came home from work one day, sat in the recliner. Next thing I know, an hour later, what in the world just happened? I said, what would you do? I was resting, amen. (laughs) I was resting. And verse 8, we see, cease from anger. This is the sixth thing. And forsake wrath. Fret not thyself and any wise to do evil. So we have these things here. Righteous men do get in distress. Godly men do worry. Godly men do get upset when the wicked prosper. But we see in verse number 6 what the Bible says that, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. And thy judgment as the noonday. The night that we face of adversity, the night we face where we struggle, the night that is dark, where we don't understand everything, the night where we go through all our heartaches and, and, and struggles, I want you to know that God says that someday He will bring the light of prosperity upon it. And again, we always wait for this world. Maybe it will come in this world, but my friend, there will be one in the next. There will be one in the next. But God is watching, God is in control. And we can believe that when it's night, it will always be day. It's always day. No matter how dark the night may be, one thing is certain is that the day will follow. Don't get discouraged when things are dark in the night season. It's supposed to be dark. God will bring the light. God will bring comfort, and God will bring deliverance. We think of Job and what God did for him. There are those who lay great plots against the righteous. There are those who pursue the righteous with great malice and seek to destroy him and, and God promises that their ruin is sure every time God will make sure that those wicked people will always get their their justice in the end. We see this in verse number twelve, where he says, "The wicked plotteth against the just and gnashes upon him with his teeth." Now again, we don't we can think of that in scripture where they gnashed upon people when they jumped upon Stephen, and they gnashed upon. Can you imagine biting a man? I mean, you did that when you were five years old. I remember. I forget. I think my sister bit me. Put marks in me. This is savage, and uh, and like all sisters, and and my mother, like my mother didn't make us just put a bar of soap in her. We had dial. My mom liked dial soap. That's what we always had. Dial. We didn't have any. Irish Spring, you know, you know these green bars. You know, we had dial soap. And my mother would take that dial soap, and we would always fight with her. And she'd take that dial soap and she'd like scrape it into our teeth. So it got you know you had a force to get that. And she'd grind her grab the back of our head like a vice. The woman was only five foot three, a hundred pounds, but she was like Hulk Hogan. She'd like and and and. Uh, Oh, you're upstairs to, for the next hour trying to get dial soap out of your mouth. Well, my sister bit me one time, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, your little acting going on, oh, and, then, and then she's over there getting the soap, and I'm like, it all works That she, she did the same thing to me, too. The Women are great actors, by the way. They bring them tears on, just like switch somewhere, they turn them things on. But I digress. Now, the wicked gnashed upon him with his teeth. We see that in Scripture where they gnashed upon Stephen (laughs) simply because he told them about Jesus. They rushed upon him, stoned him with stones, and and gnashed upon him. And God says here in the Bible that they, again, figuratively and, 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 and literally, they have done this. Verse 13, The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day coming. My friend, again, you know, the one thing about a sheep, God compares us to sheep as Christians, but all of creation is a sheep because it's a very stupid animal. It, it, it is the dumbest, I'm, I'm a sheep. I, 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 yes, but don't brag about it too much because God's comparing you to the, one of the dumbest creatures on the face of God's green earth. It is, it is beyond dumb because it only eats what's right in front of it. It never looks up and says, you know what? There's something better over there. It just. And the stupid thing will go right off a cliff. It'll just fall right off a cliff. That's why God gave the shepherd. The problem with the wicked is they're looking at all the prosperity and they fail to realize that they're on the conveyor belt that's taking them into eternity. Nobody ever looks up and says, where is this going? What's beyond? What's waiting for me? They've accumulated all this wealth and there they are when they're older and, and their, their mind is failing and their body is failing and, and, and they have all of this wealth and their family are gathering like buzzards on a carcass waiting for the inheritance and they're going to go off into eternity with nothing. God says they consider. They don't consider what's coming. The Lord laughs. You know, the, God is pictured in the Bible as laughing and it's always in the sense that God laughs at the wicked. Because they don't understand what's going to happen. Look at them in their ignorance. They're all proud and arrogant, but they don't understand. What's happening? What, what eternity waits for them. So again, the Lord sees all these plots. The Lord laughs at them, and, and how spiteful and foolish with, and filled with malice they are. They're, they're busy to destroy the righteous. But the Lord sees all these things. The Lord knows. But the just... We see in scripture, verse 16. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Think whatever you own. What is it you possess? My friend, God says as a righteous person, what you have is far more than them wicked people with all their homes and lands and plains and everything else they have out there and all around the world, all that they have. I like it when they fly off to foreign lands and their private jets, and when their hotel is too far from the airport, then they get on private helicopters, and they fly over to their their, their places, and, and there they sit, and they say, you know what, the world's dying because of cl- climate change, because too much emission, and... And, and while they dine on caviar and steak and lobster, and they, they, they think the rest of us need to eat crickets and grasshoppers and, and to help save the planet. And then they get on their helicopters, fly back to the airports, get on their private jets, and fly back to their mansions and their limousines. And you and I are the problem. We're the problem. No, my friend, these, they're insane. They literally are insane. They have all that... The little you have, the little home you have, the little apartment you have, the few meager possessions you have, God is letting you know, no matter what you have, a little, a little, verse 16, that a righteous man had is better than the riches of many wicked. My wife and I went on vacation one time. But we were celebrating our anniversary. We went down the shore. There's a little town down there. I forget the name of the town, but it's a rich town. We got a bed and breakfast, and so there, there we are, Two chunks of coal in in, in, in Diamondville, and just walk in, in the way the world is. But we had a and million dollar homes along the oceanfront. One of them is for sale. So you know you, what's this thing worth? It's only two million dollars, sweetheart. I think we can swing that. I'm looking at the house. I couldn't even afford the window treatments for that place. That would bankrupt us with one, two, twenty, thirty. 40, 60, 70. yeah, no, we can't can, we can even put shades on the window. I don't know who that guy is. I know, and again, he may be a Christian for all I know. But my friend, there we are in our bed and breakfast down the street there in our, in our Toyota minivan. God says that's we have more than the wicked have. Remember that. Don't worry about the Annasists with all their power, with all their money, and, and they're committing crimes against righteous people. God is watching. God is watching. Again, we have, don't have much, but our much, in God's eyes, is a whole lot more than what they have. Verse number 19, he says, They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, in the, in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. We back up to verse number 18, he says, The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in evil times. In the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. My friend, God wants you to know that heavy times are are, are, are going to happen. But God promises to take care of us in the heavy times. In verse 20, we see, The wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke. They shall consume away. Again, the deed, the, the wicked are fat. They are as fat as lambs. They have their prosperity. They have all those things. But God says, they want you to know they'll all melt. They'll, they're like smoke, and, and, and they're going to disappear. I was somewhere the other day, and somebody was smoking a cigarette. And, now, again, I grew up with people who smoke cigarettes, but I never enjoyed it, but you just got used to it. It was a very big thing back then. I grew up in a house with three brothers. I woke up in the morning three brothers, Woke up with three brothers smoking. I went downstairs. Mom and dad were smoking downstairs, and so it was just you sitting in the living room watching TV. You smoke everywhere. We must to smell like a cigarette. Everybody, and all my friends, we almost smelled like because everybody's parents smoked back then. We almost stunk. We just didn't know it because we all stunk. That's the one thing about stinking is when you all stink, you, nobody smells it. And so it's it just there. Now, I was somebody the other day, and I said, "You can, Somebody can be a block away, and you're like, somebody's smoking. You can just smell it." Somebody was smoking something last night, which wasn't a cigarette. It's like this idiot smoking this around us, which is not good for you. And just as that smoke may bother you for a moment, it's just for a moment it will disappear. And God says that's how the wicked are. They're like that smoke which appears. It bothers you for a short time. But don't, don't worry about it. It's, it's not going to last. It will dissipate. It will go away. The righteous will be taken care of. We see in verse number 24, Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. My friend, if you serve God, you have God ordering your steps. God is directing your path. God is watching over you. God delights in your way. God's happy in the way that you're walking. Every single one of us here have have had evil things happen to us. We've had bad people do unlawful things to us. We've been the victims. I know I, my family has been the victims of, 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 of corruption from other people. But we don't have to fret about it. We've all been wronged or had our name maligned and things said about us. By the way, if you really want to be maligned, you just join the ministry. And if you do this thing right, they, they, they'll, they'll say all kind of manner of evil about you out there. And, and there's really nothing you can do to, about it. I've been accused of every crime under the sun by people. And by the grace of God, they've all been lies. But I can't put signs in the front lawn. No, I'm not guilty. I'll just, just keep walking. You just keep going forward. And I've watched God take care of me. And I've watched God take care of you. God will always take care of you. Just be righteous. Do the right thing. And God delights in your path. God watches over you. Annas and Caiaphas, yes, they persecuted uh, John and they persecuted Peter. But, my friend, where is John and Peter now and where is Annas and Caiaphas now? <laughs> and who, when was the last time you heard somebody name their son Annas? Or their son Caiaphas? Nobody. A lot of John and Peters out there, though. Verse 24. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. My friend, there is judgment sometimes. You can see it. Again, I don't want to bring names up because you think I'm getting political here, but you can look at some families in our history of this country and, and, and their perverse families, and you can see the judgment of God upon them. You can see what God has done to their families. They made their money wickedly. They were corrupt. They were evil, and yet they rose to great power and wealth. And yet the devastation that came to those families. You say, well, I don't, I some families, they say, listen, no, trust me. Just pay attention. There's no peace in those homes. There's no harmony in those homes. There's no love in those homes. The only love they have is when they're on platforms and stages and they're all smiling and waving, but they're all cutthroats and hate each other behind the scenes. It's not what we want with our families. The Lord preserves us forever. Again, some wicked are strong, yet... Their seed spread also. We see how Annas' family kept going for generations. What is this family going to get out of here? We see the Herod's in the Bible. There's at least three generations of Herod's in the Bible. But if we see their generations come and their generations do go. We it's verse number 35. Verse 35, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. I was intrigued by that phrase. I've always been intrigued by that phrase, a a green uh, bay tree. What is a green bay tree? Well, it's not an exactly particular tree. It's just talking about a tree. It's a green tree, a living tree, a tree that's alive, that's growing. It's got its branches spread out. And it's growing very tall. It's a, and you may see the wicked growing very tall and very prosperous and that they're green. And, the, and their branches are spreading out and, and almost into everything and in every business. They have their paws and things and they're greedy. And God, he said, I've seen the wicked like that. I've always been fond of a weeping willow tree. One of my favorite trees is a weeping willow tree. When I was a boy in our backyard, we had a very large weeping willow tree and I used to like to climb on that tree and I just I think it's one of the most beautiful trees out there and uh, so I always loved that tree in our backyard and one day a storm blew through the neighborhood and, and when we woke up in the morning the weeping willow had been knocked down to the ground it fell in a, in a, in a way in which the neighbor's house or our house was not touched, it fell just like the Lord just laid it down and I, was, I remember as a boy like, very upset when that tree, said, what are we going to do? we prop it back up. You know, you're four years old, trying to put a tree back. And my mom said, no, Dad, your, your father's going to cut it down and, and get rid of it. I said, man, that's a, I like that tree. That's a good tree. I remember there was an owl sitting in the tree. When it, when it was knocked down, that, there was an owl in that tree. And I still remember that owl. I still remember my brother throwing a football at it and that owl flying away. And I never saw an owl for the next 20 years. So there's just, just, things that stick in your head. those trees are beautiful. We go down to visit Renee's family down one of those roads. There's a very large estate. It's called Willow Willow Estate or Willow Acres. and uh, He has this main road going to his property. His house is probably set 300 yards back. And and along the road are these lined with weeping willow trees. It's beautiful. Absolutely. It's picturesque. My friend, again, that weeping willow, as beautiful as it may be, the one problem with those things is the roots do not go down deep. They're shallow so they easily are knocked over. And God Whatever this green bay tree here is, and some people, there's a lot of things that this is the same tree that they would take. The Romans would take to make their crowns that they would wear upon their heads. Some people say it's the same tree. We are really not really sure, but just get the idea in your head that the wicked do grow, they do become prosperous, and they do spread out. But the problem with every tree is what happens to it. It meets its fate. It meets its fate. There's a tree over here. <laughs> And uh, I'll tell this real quick. We, it was, I remember it was a small tree. We, me and my friends climbed it. We climbed it. We always climbed it on Saturday night because they would have mass across the street here. So we'd be up in the tree, me and my three, two friends. And we'd be Bob and Bill, And we, we'd be up there. And, we, and the ladies, oh, the birds are singing in the trees. And <laughs> there we are. Some of them would laugh. And some of them, dear godly Catholics, said other things that we can't repeat. And uh, as we we're up there in that tree, making all kind of bird noise, <laughs> so, there, we were, It's just as bad when they had bingo across the street. We'd be in the window in the backyard watching them playing bingo, and then we go bingo, <laughs> and they all clear their boards. Like, Who won? Who, there's those lousy kids outside. And so, but I digress from the message. <laughs> See, that's not right, preacher. Maybe now, the wicked do prosper. The wicked do grow. But my friend, God lets you know here in these verses that they do find an end. Verse number 36, Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. What's he say here? Verse 37, Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright. The end of that man is peace. My friend, these are promises from God. Annas and Caiaphas may have lived an old age, but they did not have peace in their life. Their homes were not peaceful homes, and their eternity is not a peaceful eternity verse 38 but the transgressor shall be destroyed together the end of the wicked shall be cut off but the salvation of the righteous is of the lord he is their strength in time of trouble and the lord shall help them and deliver them he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him my friend here again there is this this balance here the wicked over here the godly over here and the godly do have problems the godly will suffer but god promises his blessings upon them don't ever envious Don't ever grow envy of the Anasis and the Caiaphas of the world. They have their moment, and it's a bad moment, but it does pass away. The righteous have promises from God that he knows who we are, he knows where we are, and his blessings are upon us. Even that one little meal you have is more than a table of bounty in the wicked's home. I'd rather be what? A doorkeeper. In the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'd rather have Jesus than all this world affords today. Let's stand together for prayer. Father, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you today we can be here to thank you for the word of God that never changes, the eternal truths. Lord, scriptures filled with wicked men who rose to power, and they are not, no longer, and their graves cannot be found lord we see them today even amongst us not only in our own town and our own local seats of government our state government and lord even down in washington these scoundrels still exist lord let us not grow envious of them let us serve you with joy and gladness knowing the way of the righteous will flourish but the ungodly will not bless this time we pray in jesus name